from Wakefield. It's the Nolan Car at Night Show. Inviting you to join Nolan as guest this week, John Poss, the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the show. Join me this week is a legendary person in and of itself. Since 2015, this man has changed the landscape, not just of wrestling, but of wrestling interviews and content in particular. And scrolling through YouTube and elsewhere, you can see the laundry list of superstars and legends he's picked the minds of, which speaks to the level of work he performs on a regular basis. It's a pleasure and honor to be joined this week by the one and only Mr. J.P. John Paz. John, how are you? Wow, thanks for the introduction. I'm good. Wow, I don't know if I could live up to that. It almost was like, who the hell are you talking about there? But thank you. Appreciate it. Well, of course. Well, uh, the Insider's Edge podcast, when he did that over the summer, he gave you quite an intro. So I said, no offense to him, but I got to try a little bit better. (laughs) I'm happy that can be at least halfway. I want to start this off briefly, then talk to what I really want to talk to you about. The last handful of years and have been crazy for everyone and although your, your show and what, what you do is mainly such some, something of, of this nature online what's it like for you what's life been like for you now that everything all the craziness is sort of in the rear view meter, mirror after three years it's still kind of crazy just life in general is nuts yeah. but uh i feel like for a while there um i don't know it's like will it ever get back to normal will we ever yeah. get back to normal so that's one thing that um i'm glad it's kind of getting back to normal yeah. though there's still some crazy stuff going sure. on out there but it's slowly but surely getting back to normal what's one thing that john Paz has learned about himself over the last three years that he didn't know prior about himself prior to it Ooh, good question um hmm. i don't know maybe um I don't know. It's, that, that's a good question. Wow. I got to think about that one. I don't know. Maybe it's um, that I could actually like learn things a little bit quicker than I realized, yeah. like just as far as like certain, certain things that like you almost thrust into like editing. I wasn't that strong in editing. I mean, I've, I've went to school for it. I wasn't that strong, but I was like, oh, maybe I could do it. So I don't know, maybe there's some technological stuff that I sure. could pick up on that. I didn't previously think I could catch up on or would even be able to do. Cause now I editing is like, <laughs> Yeah. Bing, bang, bang. I can do it two seconds. So sure. it was one of the things you're almost like testing yourself. It's like, ah, I'm not that technologically savvy, but maybe I am. So maybe I'm learning mm-hmm. that I can do some stuff I couldn't do before. You said in another interviews of, of your love for professional wrestling, the WWF, then it was known now it's WWE and Hulk Hogan and how he got you into the, the business of professional wrestling as a fan. And now you're working in the field. But for you growing up, what was relationship like in, in terms of wrestling, not just as a fan perspective, but possibly getting into that world of wrestling? Yeah, I was just like obsessed with it. I was, I didn't know how to get in or, or like what to do or any of that stuff when I was younger, but I was just obsessed with wrestling. I just absolutely loved it. As soon as I saw Hulk, you know, like you know, everything changed. But even before that, my dad was like kind of into it, almost like slow played it. Like, yeah, I wasn't that big of a fan, but I recently found a picture of him was before I was born. It was a, a Polaroid and I was born in 82, but Polaroid of him and Fabulous Moolah autographed. So I was like, uh-huh. man, he's a bigger fan. And then he later he would sell insurance to Pedro Morales and he told us about that so like obviously he knows wrestling was a fan so kind of slow played it but for me was when I uh like he would watch it with me and stuff but like as soon as I saw Hulk and then my cousin had the the big stand-up Hulk I'm like oh this like this guy is like gotta watch this guy somehow gotta be a part of this and and want to you know be even more than more than a fan it's like talk to these guys work with these guys do stuff with these guys through the uh that Insider's Edge podcast I mentioned about your intro you talked about how you sort of got into it within the the autograph signings and convention type of scenarios. In that situation, I'm sure that a lot of work goes into it, but it's also, I'm sure when you were there, that wasn't exactly where you 
your end goal was for being in the wrestling world. And that moment, how do you, you know, keep yourself motivated to do that, but also realize I know my talent's worth more than just doing this sort of stuff. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you want to be more involved with these guys, but it like autograph convention and stuff. It's a great connection with the guys because you're there for the extended period of time two, three, four hours could be the entire day. So it's a great connection with them. Plus, sometimes you could do interviews with them when they're there or beforehand to promote, you know, the convention. So yeah. it's all kind of intertwined, but it, it's one of the things where, to me, I never really thought about it as like good, bad, low, high, indifferent. I always just thought like, it's a great connection with the guys. They can get a payday. I'm probably going to make some money. Yeah. You know, every, you know, everybody's happy, but it's just, to me, it was a great way to spend more time with the boys and with, with sure. the guys and, and maybe ask them some questions that they maybe can't answer uh, on a, on a podcast or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get more personal with them. Sure. Obviously, you know, they're, freewheeling and, and you're not going <laughs> to reveal some of the stuff that they, they tell you yeah. uh, personally, but it, it was like a cool thing. Cause you basically hang out with them all day. You got to pick them up to the airport. You take them out to lunch, take them out to dinner, drive them back to the airport. You hang I mean, so it's a cool thing just to, um, it's like a fan level kind of thing, but it's more than that. Cause you're working with them. Sure, so yeah. yeah, there's a, there's a way to make more money with them. But a part of you is like, man, I want to ask him this question. I got to ask him. I may have heard him answer it from somebody else, but I yeah. got to ask him this question or he would, I never heard him answer this before. Sure. So it's cool to have that, that interpersonal connection and, and relationship with them. Which sort of brings me to my next question of, you know, you start, you know, interviewing people in your podcast empire in, in 2015. Do you remember the moment at around that time where you realized that you were comfortable enough to get out of your shell and then start this and try to um, create your own niche in the podcast wrestling world? Yeah, it's funny, like, there's a, like a moment where I said to myself, like, you know, I could kind of do this and interview these guys. It's not like you're listening to somebody else and like, oh, they stink, I could do it better than them. Just like you yourself, it's just, you almost don't pay attention to that. Yes, you pay attention to Conan and Colt Cabana and Bruce Pritchard, who were doing it before me. I know now it's almost like everybody started <laughs> later on and they kind of, everybody else kind of get into it. But those guys you listen to, you're like, man, that's great. I want to kind of do that, but do a little different, maybe interview guys and just sure. do interviews but now of course there's so many podcasts that that kind of do that same formula sure. but at that point there really wasn't that many going on but i sure. thought man it's like i could do that plus i have the knowledge from being a fan plus i was involved a bit in the business trained a little bit in the business did some indie stuff and like i was like you know not that i'm on a big level or anything sure. but like i knew stuff that maybe other people didn't know or maybe i followed the guys careers and and, and knew some information and just was a huge fan uh, you could say Mark, if you will, if you will, <laughs> Dusty Rhodes. I actually said to Dusty once, I said, oh, I'm just a Mark, whatever. He goes, no, 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 baby. No, no, no. He goes, you're a historian. Don't say Mark. I'm like, all right, fine. No. Yeah. So if Dusty Rhodes is saying it, oh my God, you know, I, I, I can't say oh, I'm a Mark. So sure. um, I might be one, but Dusty said historian. So I, I'm going to stick with Dusty. Yes. Um, so it's one of the things where, you know, you know so much like, I feel like I could interview these guys and get sure. some questions. It, it would just not even be like a project. It would be something fun that I yeah. love doing. So it was one of the things like, can I do it? Yes. Do I want to do it? Yes. Do I love this? Yes. Because sure. if you don't really like doing it, it's going to be boring and you're going to lose, yeah. you know, and I ate in 70 plus years that I've done this. I haven't lost any sort of like feeling of like, eh, I don't feel like doing it this week or sure. eh, I don't feel like interviewing anybody. Like never. I'm just like, who's next? Who, yeah. who can I, uh, who can I get Goldberg? Who, you know, who's next if you will. <laughs> sure, so yeah that kind of thing it's just sure. you just keep keep rolling with it well i mentioned it quite briefly how the podcast industry you know there's thousands if not hundreds of thousands millions of podcasts out there and the wrestling podcast industry over the last handful of years as, as there's been a lot of on there and you know conrad his, his empire and 
everyone you could think of has a wrestling podcast, whether it's be people, friends, just talking about stuff, they're recapping stuff, or your situation where you're interviewing people one-on-one, or a convert, he's talking to people, wrestlers, about their experiences going from A to Z to present day. Being that it had a lot of people have been there doing it saturated to an extent, and you sort of mentioned it, your, your goal and what you thought you could provide. What was it, though, that you want to stick out from the others in terms of, of there, what they was already there to be able to listen to? Just that good content, good interviews, different guys, like a different array of guys, yeah. not your same interview that you heard a million times. Um, not necessarily a short interview either, because I see it a lot of like short, quick ones yeah. um, that, you know, some other names were doing. It's just like, eh, that, that doesn't really work. That wasn't, that's not enough. So yeah. certain, I don't know, certain aspect of, I want to be able to get some time with these guys, get some bigger names that really maybe haven't done interviews, get sure. some rare guests that haven't done interviews, just kind of stick out from the pack and, and just do things where it's just like a constant content creation where you just stick out from the pack just because you are sure. very consistent and you always have your shows. Like I, now we do, uh, I have shows every Tuesdays and Thursdays, as far as interviews were concerned, I do other shows too, but as far as interviews, I do it every Tuesday, it's the flagship and then I do a feature episode on Thursday. I want to be very consistent. Nobody else is doing that. And, and, and other people could do more interviews, less interviews, but there's not that consistency. So sure. I want to be the consistent guy and I want to get on everybody, new, young, old legend, but especially focused on some of the rare names of people like, wow, I haven't heard that name in a while. Or, Holy shit. Where'd you find him? Like that kind of thing. Sure. And I've, I experienced this and I don't want to make it seem like I'm comparing myself to you in any regards or anyone else out there, but like anything else, you have to start somewhere at the beginning. And as the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase says, everybody's got a price. And for, for you, and I've realized this sort of with some of the actors I've had on, you know, from the Sopranos and, they, they, their time is worth money. But for you starting out, how did you go about that in terms of planning who you could get on to then say, oh, I've had these people, but then realize, oh, realistically, these are the people I have to sort of get on instead of trying to shoot already for the, the moon people. When I first started, my first ever interview was Jeff Jarrett, which okay. was shocking. Because before that, I was just writing for a blog and stuff. And sure. so I sent them some of the interviews. I did like uh, Nigel McGuinness and Adam Pierce, and you know a bunch of guys people would definitely recognize and know their names. But that was just in written form, and it was just like for a blog for a sports thing, and it wasn't anything big. But I meant I mentioned it to Jeff, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll give you a shot. Why not? You know, somebody once upon a time, you know, forty years ago, whatever it was, he goes, gave me a shot and." Really, I mean, he, he was in the business, but obviously somebody's got to give him a chance and opportunity, sure. not not just his dad or, or his grandmother, but somebody's got to. So he's like, yeah, I'll give you a shot. So we did the interview and it kind of was rolling from there. But then it was like, who could I get? Then, you know, you get ignored by some names and then you kind of settle in. You're like, OK, I'm brand new. I'm just starting. Let's not shoot for the moon yet. I want to you got to start certain here but then start slowly climbing the ladder. Like sure. Jeff is an awesome starting point. It's almost like, wow, you start off with the, but then you realize like not everybody's like Jeff where they're sure. going to give you a shot and an opportunity. So you have to almost do some guys, some indie level guys, some guys you're familiar with, some guys you might know um, from doing the autograph circuit and in the scene, friends with some guys like Justin Incredible was my buddy for years. And just some guys, you, you know, you can get the interview and, and talk to them and do some certain things, but like don't shoot for the moon. Like you got to build the base first. Like I had somebody yeah. recently was saying, Oh, I've only been doing it two years. I want to interview this, this, and this. I'm like, slow down. Just, yeah. <laughs> you can get there, but just build sure. your re reputation and just build yourself up to that. Cause it's, sometimes it, it might happen right away. You might get lucky. You might, somebody want to promote something or you might reach them at a certain time. But for the most part, just 
build yourself up. So I did a lot of indie guys and I did a, a bunch of ROH guys, but then here and there where I would try to sprinkle in the legends, like George Animal Steel was very early on. Um, I did uh, Joe Malenko and then Joe Malenko kind of hooked me up with Dusty and then I did Dusty Rhodes. So that was like, holy shit, I'm moving so quick. Yeah. I'm moving up quicker than I thought, you know, kind of got lucky, but then stay true to my roots too. It's like, I'm still going to do the indie guy. still going to do this, sure. but I'm going to still try not, you, you don't just say, Oh, they're out of my realm. You can still try, but don't get yourself up and excited like sure. oh, i'm gonna i got this person i'm, I'm gonna go for this person you know yeah. so it's it's a very slow procedure sometimes honestly sometimes you just gotta get really lucky and sure. just like like dusty i mean that's just total luck but <laughs> yeah. holy shit this is all dusty roads holy shit we, you know but we've only been on like six months i'm getting dusty roads i mean this is uh yeah. you know, seven months whatever it was so it's just uh amazing but you have to have a starting point and just not it's not like you know your role and know your place but just know that that's your niche sure. or that's the that's the the level still try but stay kind of where you yeah. are and then climb the ladder. Well, that, and that's, that's another thing that, you know, I'm admirable about you, but also, you know, myself, I, I've had there, where I'm from in Rhode Island, the, the college basketball team is more well-known than the football team. And there are guys on there who are, are some of the best athletes that have come through the area in, in a long time, but they're busy. They have other things, other commitments. So their time is more valuable. So I've interviewed guys who were on the team and they're good athletes, better than myself. But the guys aren't as well known. And then I've used those as sort of, okay, if I have these guys on, I can say I've had these people from this era. And then that builds up and say, oh, hey, it's worth my time. Oh, they, and I, I provide links or a list of people I've had on. I say, oh, this guy's, you know, credible. I'll give him some time. And then, of course, you know, you may not get in contact with them. They may not reply back. So you sort of say, I'll get back in, you know, a month or, or a few months or so. Besides the, the long form interviews that you do, you also have a few other podcasts that you do with with other wrestling legends and right. for, for, for that situation you know as i just said you know people are busy they don't have to do they've done thousands of millions of interviews what does that say about you in terms of your quality of work but also what their story is willing to be shared about well i think also it's a thing where you kind of develop a relationship with those guys too not just wrestling. I mean, maybe maybe it goes a little bit beyond wrestling, but you have like a personal relationship with them. You're buddies with them, friends with them. So it's one of the things where you they get comfortable around you. So they it's not like, oh, I have to do the show. It's like they want to do the show. It's, it's you know, they, they like talking about wrestling. You know, they like you. They're, they're you know, you're buddies with them. So it's kind of a, just an easy, easy transition. But some of the guys, I mean, they get so busy that they don't have time for it. So you got to be flexible, too. You can't just be like, no, this is when we record. You just got to be open and flexible. If they can't do it one week, you know, you, you got to try to maybe record two uh, the following week or you know, there's there's ways around it. But just sure. be flexible. But. Also, you have to have put some time in, like you have to be buddies with them. Like I've known Dr. Tom for years. I've known Kevin Sullivan for years. Shane Douglas, I've known forever for God, for, for a long time, even uh, back when I was buddies with, uh, well, still buddies with Justin Credible, PJ. Um, we used to go to the shows and Shane even remembered PJ was wrestling Shane. God, this was for Ring of Honor, uh, a JPW Ring of Honor. And he sliced his hand open and PJ literally glued it together. Wow. And I remember Shane came up to me because he's like, John, you're PJ's buddy. And this was even before I really knew him. And he's like, you got to make sure it goes to the doc. You don't just tape up that. So and years later, Shane remembered that. So there's some equity you build sure. up with these guys who are either traveling with them or hanging out with them or being friends with another wrestler. Then you be kind of become friends with them. So it's one of the things where you, you don't just assume like, oh, I'm just going to message this guy and we're going to do a podcast together. You got to give him a pitch. You sh sure. should probably be friendly with him or close with them or maybe a buddy of yours is close with them and maybe you, you 
have some phone calls and some stuff in between. But really, it's one of the things where another like interpersonal relationship. I think when once you build the bond there, it makes it a lot easier to get a lot, you know, things done as far as recording more podcasts and even, you know, creating shows. Sure. This and this may be a, a hard thing maybe to answer in terms of uh, differentiating from all of them. But what does like so it might be hard to answer. So if you don't have a good enough answer, that's OK. But with those, there's a handful of ones you do with certain different wrestlers and they all or managers or whatever it may be. And they all have their difference about them and they all bring a different element to the wrestling um, view. What do they bring to the table that maybe the other ones don't bring? So maybe what does Dr. Pritchard's Tom Pritchard bring to the podcast world that Kevin Sullivan does or Kevin compared to Shane and so on and so forth? That's why I love wrestling. There's so much like variety, like the buffet. There's so much differences. You would think like, oh, they're they're both like this, for instance, Kevin and, and Dr. And they're both old school wrestlers, you know, kind of from that same generation, not really the same age, about 10 years apart, but you know, the close sure. in that generation. Oh, they probably, they got completely different views. Dr. Tom was a trainer. Not only was he a great wrestler, he was a trainer for WWE. So he trained The Rock. He trained Kurt Angle. He trained Vince McMahon. He <laughs> trained Shane McMahon. It's a completely different viewpoint. I mean, he worked backstage for WWF. He was a road agent, this and that. Kevin did some of those things. But Kevin is really a wrestler who was, you know, big-time name. He obviously had man, many great relationships wrestling. But he was the booker. He was yeah. in charge of WSW. He was writing the show. He was putting the show together, putting the matches together. He has a completely different perspective because, first of all, Dr. Tom WBF, Kevin Sullivan Moore, you related yeah. for WCW, but he was the booker. He created the NWO. He he created the real 83 Weeks of Dominance. I know, obviously, Bischoff's in charge, but you need Bischoff needs guys under sure. him like Kevin to write the show, put the show together, uh, convince Hogan to turn heel and create the NWO, which sure. was you know game-changing, the legit game-changing, changed the wrestling business forever and really created the attitude era off piggybacking off of the NWO. So, and really, you know, the Monday Night Wars was huge and no, sure. no not that many people watching wrestling compared to then. So just completely, completely game changer. So Kevin offers a completely different insight than Dr. Tom. Even if I'll bring up some current things I've noticed, Kevin likes some of AEW and like, for instance, Dr. Tom was like, eh, I didn't like that or uh, that, you know, they, they, that that's too too different than what I'm used to as far as wrestling. And Kevin is more open minded to some of that crazy stuff that we see, sure. like the pizza guy coming out and <laughs> like Doctor Tom. I don't even really like that stuff either. It's sure. too corny for me. But Kevin's like, that's oh, okay. It's fun and like so you get a completely different perspective from both guys. What was your research process like in terms of maybe not just the one on one interviews, but then maybe with the, the Doctor Tom and Kevin Sullivan type of podcast that you do? I do a lot of stuff. Um, as far as research, like let's say you spend a day or half a day, but not like six hours straight on it. Like you kind of come back to it because I noticed even certain things. You do some research, you search online. Um, there's many different um, like um, search and not search engines, but many different sites that has great um, stuff as far as wrestling. Like they have great content, uh, great historical value, like stuff that, you know, the day melters of the world that obviously kept a great historical record of, of everything so i mean there's that all over the site you get to, but you have to pick and choose kind sure. of what's good what's bad what's right what's wrong and being a fan for so long you kind of know sure. a little bit it's like yeah that's bullshit that's not true or maybe that is bullshit but i want to bring it up and see what the guys say about it or oh that's an interesting tidbit i didn't know that but you got to do your research but i like to do it and then come back to it because sure. then i feel like you have open eyes again it's like new eyes looking at it so then you might find something you missed the first time or something you didn't think of or, or whatever but i just like to use a few different 
sites and a few different people and bounce off of that and, and not just use one site and, that, and that's it or or one piece of information that's it just kind of go sure. all over but also being a fan for so long i like to also use my memory as far as like what not as far as like totally relying on it but it's like what was the feeling when that happened like if we're talking about pay-per-view or a match or so it's like man i remember i love that match sometimes if you have time obviously you go back and you watch the pay-per-view or go back and watch yeah the matches, the finishes again, you're like, wow, that was a different feeling or you might have the same feeling. So I like if also to have like a fan, I know Conrad says it too. It's like to have that fan perspective is great because it's almost like you're the, the listener or the viewer. Sure. They're the fan. You know what I mean? They're, sure. they're listening for a reason. So you want to almost take their side and be the fan. So I want to almost in my head be like, man, what feeling did I have? Like heavenly bodies against the Steiner brothers, SummerSlam 93. That match was awesome. I love that match. Does it hold up? Yes, it does. I rewatched it. It's awesome. But I remember as a kid loving it. So it's one of the things where I, I like kind of using my own stuff and then bouncing it off of some sure. research I do. But I noticed some people, which is like a huge pet peeve, like don't do any research. Yeah. Hate that. That's just yeah. like, you're like, you're not even trying, you're not sure. bothering or, or you, you're not even like really into it. Like, it's just crazy. Sometimes, yes, if you're like you're a huge fan or historian, that stuff, you could probably remember it and bring sure. it back. But I like to jog my own memory. Like, le like Larry Zabisco like, I know he was AWA champion, but who did he beat? I don't remember all the title. So, you know, you try to sure. just, I don't know, jog your memory almost, so to speak. So even if I know stuff, even if I interviewed the guy for, even if I think I know everything, I just, just like to do a little bit of research or like with Kevin, we're watching WW pay-per-view. I love WW. Watch all those pay-per-views. I, I have them all on tape. I transfer them over to DVD. So that means I rewatched them all. <laughs> I mean, I, I just was like obsessed with WCW, well, wrestling in general, but WCW. So I know the shows, but I'm like, now nah, I want to make sure I remembering sure. this correctly or I make sure it was really good. Or if I was crazy looking at it from <laughs> young eyes, thinking like, what the hell did I think that was good? That sucked. It's a, it, you got to do research for sure. Well, I think it's a balance of it, you know, being the historian aspect and then also being the fan perspective, because it gives you two different ways of trying to conduct the interview. Cause if it's from a fan perspective, you know, that's the final, but then also it's tough because then it may be perceived as you're just doing it to clout chase or whatever it may be. And then brag, Oh, I've had this person. And then you have, a smaller person trying to do it and they're working the way up and then it, it's not necessarily fair, but then historian, you're proving it to the person that it's worth their time and that, Hey, they know their stuff. And it's not just someone from a national, you know, broadcast company who is doing the, the interview. I, before we did this today, earlier um, this afternoon, I watched you, your interview with Hulk Hogan you did and how you had talked about how you're all the stuff you have on the wall behind you and uh, yep. all that jazz and how he was appreciative of that. You talked about King Kong Bundy and, his top people and if he could wrestle today who would he like to wrestle in that situation and you had said on insider's edge how with that interview you were re although you didn't show it you were very very nervous about that because he's you know your hero and you, that's how you got yeah. into the wrestling business in that aspect how do you balance that in terms of getting someone of that nature onto your show because at some point you get the bigger names you get the people who have a little bit more worth to then show hey I can, you know, have you on it. Was that, is that, was that difficult for you early on or is that something you naturally could figure out? It is difficult at first too, because you're such a fan. I mean, you, you really, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Mark for sure. You could say historian and kind of joke around and all that other stuff, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of these guys. Been a fan since the mid eighties. So it's like, man, I love these guys. And when you get Hulk on, it's like, holy shit. Like beforehand, you're like, wow, I'm nervous. Wow, holy crap. This is Hulk. 
don't really get nervous too much doing the interviews anymore. When I first started, like I definitely, you kind of, you know, you get the nerves or if you start getting the bigger names, like, Oh shit, George animal steel. Don't screw this up. It's yeah. better be good. We got Kane on early on. It's like, Oh damn. Uh, dusty, Bro- dusty Rose was like one of the first times I was like, Oh, shit dusty huge dusty fan sure. huge mark for dusty so i was like holy shit so you just gotta calm your nerves and realize like you know they're respectful of you to a certain extent because they agree to come on yeah. so it's not like you have to be like you know, hit, hitting home runs at the park just relax be yourself sure um calm down or whatever like with hulk nervousness helped for him but when i got on i was talking to him just like what would i ask him as yeah. you know of course you do overdo it on the research for hulk like sure. i had a page of stuff knowing <laughs> only had a few minutes with him but it's like i don't care like i you know i'm, I'm gonna do the research anyway and almost have too much research sure. but i'm gonna relax myself i know it's hulk but i'm like how would I act and how would I react if, if we're just, you know, shit, uh, having a beer, shooting the shit sure. and just, just hanging out. So it's like, just relax. So yeah, it's very nervous with Hulk, but as soon as I actually was talking to him, just calm, like calm yourself down. Like I used to play uh, football and stuff. I used to play sports for the game. Like, are oh, you nervous? You're worried, blah, yeah. blah. As soon as the first hit happens, everything disappears and sure. it's over. As soon as you get that first word in or Hulk's like, what's up brother? You know, yeah. you're, all right focus you got to yeah. focus like enough being a mark enough being nervous like you have to ask him questions now so sure. you, you kind of just got to get over it it's almost like um as soon as that bell rings you gotta you gotta focus in on that test and, and exactly and, and knock it out of the park interviews like coco with old although it's brief and you had interview with Ric flair which went on for uh, what was it 30 minutes or so about yeah about, about 35 minutes yeah it was comic book and that's a decent amount of interview for something that most of my interviews are around that time or, or try to at least get to that point that's 30 minutes then you mentioned um eric watts on insider's edge which was a very long time and you've done countless of interviews of various different degrees for you though in that situation whether it be a long form and you talked about the research you do over research the person whether it's a short amount of time or a long period of time compared to now how do you deal with compared to the beginning i should say how do you deal with that situation where the time amount isn't what you should expect, but it's just whatever you're given. How do you do deal with it in the sense of providing a good enough story? You got to almost hit the high spots, if you will. If you're you know, a wrestling fan, that's like uh, you got to hit the, the big stuff and maybe maybe the generic stuff, kind of, because you want to not be the generic interview guy. But, you know, you make sure you hit the good points or hit the, the pressing questions or hit the questions that, you know, are, are buzzworthy, if you will, or or, you know, you're going to get a good answer from. But when I first was starting, I would always like obsessed with time. It's got to be a certain amount of time. It is what it is. And if the guy only gives you a certain amount of time, that's fine. I've noticed too, that I've had guys on that. They said, you only have 20 minutes. Sometimes they say 18. Sometimes they say 22. If you stick to that time and you don't go over and they're very like particular about it, they'll they'll be back. And I've had a guy who came back seven times. (laughs) He just keeps coming back because I stuck to the time. This guy's professional. He'll stick to the times. He knows my time is valuable. So you have to do that. Some guys I've had on like Jacques Rougeau would be like, hey, you got 10 minutes. And you know he's just working you to see what you say. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. We went on for an hour and a half. So, (laughs) so, you know, you kind of know something to be, you got to be smart about. The guy really says, hey, listen, pause. Got 18 minutes. Can we knock this out? Like what you have to be true. Yeah. Talking to a huge name, WB Hall of Famer, huge name. Inter- interviewed a few times, close with him. He emailed me not that long ago. And he said, Hey, stay in touch and blah, blah. Because he said it was that was very professional. You were literally stuck to the time that I gave sure. you. He had to go to a funeral. I didn't know the reason, yeah. but he told me that he had to go to a funeral. Like he literally had to go. So he'd make it there on time. So I was like, okay. 
Like I, I know like, Oh, I'm all like, some guys would be like, oh, I'm going to stretch it. I got this guy on. It's sure. like, I don't know. To me, you got to be respectful of your time. They're sure. respectful enough of you to come on. You got to be respectful of your time, but also don't like sweat it. You probably can get them on again. Yeah. Or they, they're probably going to be like, wow, that was really great of you. Like this guy, this old famer emails me out of the blue, you know, stay in touch or whatever. It's like, okay, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Definitely stay in touch. But he was very appreciative of the fact that, stuck to the time he's like thanks man i you know i needed i needed to get out of there appreciate it so don't go overboard either sure. I mean, you can certain guys like <laughs> eric watts like like you, you said like he didn't give like he would just talk like you asked him a question he gave an awesome answer sure. so you're like hell I'm, I'm gonna keep going i'm gonna get as many awesome answers as i can get so he'll give you a great interview like kind of sure. no matter what i remember mark coleman ufc hall of famer one of the greatest fighters i, I love mark coleman he gave great answers. we went on forever so i mean it kind of depends on the guy, but you got to be respectful of their time. Being that you, you've done this for a new handful of years, now nearly 10 years, you, you've done countless interviews, that hundreds of interviews. How do you make sure that what you're putting out there, the content you're putting out there is still fresh and different and u- unique compared to the other people out there? That's always a tough thing. I mean, you try and you try to do some things up and change some things up and spice it up. Like, used to do an intro beforehand and i was like yeah it might be taking too long and i was asking a few people like, yeah it might be too much time between when the the show starts and when the interview is so yeah i kind of got rid of that i didn't like that too much it's almost like um you're you're talking about the interview and people are like oh let's just get to the interview so yeah. one of the things so you there's things you have to do whether it be maybe a music change or an outro change an intro there's always little things you could do to kind of keep it fresh or keep it new but i feel like with the content with wrestling you almost want to um I know you want to have different guys on in different subjects, maybe guys you haven't heard of, but also guys that are popular now or newsworthy now, or guys that, you know, when people be like, Oh shit, I want to check out that interview. Like I just interviewed uh, Greg Gagne, who's wrestling legend big many years ago, AWA, of course, his dad and him own the AWA, obviously Vern Gagne's his dad is a legend, but it's like, that's a great interview because you haven't heard from him in a while. Haven't done an interview. So people will be interested in that. Like, so you got to keep it fresh. But also, you could throw in some guys that just for you that you love, yeah, and sure. you're going to interview. But you get you also want to make sure that the content is like content that people will be interested in. Sure. And so it may be gone is on, but you ask about some current things, and he's working on some wrestling figures now, or what does he think about the current product? What does he think about Vince having to retire? Like, so you want to keep it fresh, even if you have an older guy on, and get get the perspective of today's wrestling. So that's always like a good thing when you're creating content. It's like, yes, you want to think about the past, but think about the future and also think about the present. Like, what are people interested in right now? One thing that I sort of have experienced doing this, and I'm sure you have as well, especially when you were starting out, is planning stuff out. And you had mentioned projects that you've worked on where you're thinking, oh, hopefully at this point, winter, spring, whatever it may be, this will be released. And for me, I, I sort of as a, doing this, a young young person doing this, starting out sort of the last two years of almost doing it, it's not where you can have someone on right away, a big star, music athlete, whatever it may be. You have to sort of bid your time and build that puzzle as we talked about, and you eventually get to it. So you got to plan out four or five episodes, six episodes down the line so you can re- have them up there, and then it releases, and you can wor- wait for those to be available for other people to come on. For you, though, in your situation of your podcast and things you work on, how far down the line do you plan out, not just in terms of conveniency, but also with guests who maybe have a bigger name than others? I like to plan it out just a few months if I can, but I always in pencil. I mean, you can write it in pen, but it's one of the things where you might be able to 
across this person now this person's promoting something this week and you just got them on or uh, hey I, I, can you get this out by a certain date or hey the pay-per-view is on sunday can you get this out so you always have to be flexible and be willing to change it but to me i like to have a lot in the can like i like to record a bunch of interviews this way if there's a lull because there's always going to be a lull there's always sure. going to be a cold streak there's always going to be holidays or you know whatever coming up so i like to have a bunch in the can kind of write each day out of like where they're going to fit and then be flexible enough to say, Nope, this needs to go here. This needs to sure. go there. But that doesn't mean you're done with the interviews. You can still schedule interviews, sure. do interviews. You just have to plug and play where sure. you think it's applicable. Well, that, that's sort of what, what I've done in the last few weeks or so I had released maybe like five or six in a row on YouTube. Sure. That chewed up my computer and it was overheating like a crashed car, but I, I had them all out at a time so that you can sort of take a breather because that's a lot, you know, planning out, doing research and doing it for four, five, six, three interviews in a row. But then you have that out. So if someone doesn't get back to you in time, you have a month and a half before you can reach out again, say, oh, yeah, can we do this? And now you have it. So then you run into situations where, oh, shoot, so-and-so did not reach back out to me. I can then release this one intended for the week after I can release it. Nowadays, in sort of another comparison type of thing, that situation, although you, you've had success with getting people on, there, I'm sure there have also been people who don't have interest or can't do it at the moment. How do you go about that nowadays with people who you think, oh, yeah, this would be a great guest, but then it turns out you can't get in contact with them or they say, no, I'm not going to do it? I always just say, eh, move on. Like, I have a list of guys, literally this gigantic list. A buddy of mine was like laughing, but oh, it's so stupid. You recreate a list. <laughs> and I always think it's good to create a list. Remember Cody Rhodes created that list of all the yeah. guys he wanted to wrestle and check? I know. I always thought like that. That's a, <laughs> a good thing to do and create lists. It's almost like a goal. Like, I want to get this guy on, but you don't press on it. You don't obsess over it, sure. but you just keep in your mind, like, I got to get back to him. certain guests. I'm like, oh, this is easy. It's promoting something. And then they can't do it. They're not available. It's like, oh, man, like, that didn't work out. So sure. what? Move on to the next one and just keep them in the back of your mind maybe something else will pop up or maybe they want to promote something else or there might be a different avenue to, to to get in contact with him and talk to him so don't give up on it maybe put it on a note put it to the side but also don't obsess over it either be like oh that sucks they you know don't take it personally either. Sure. these guys are really busy guys for the most part and they're probably doing a million other things and maybe they can't even remember doing some of the stuff that, that they want to do. I mean, sometimes I can't even remember putting out the garbage. Oh, but they, you know, so these guys are, you yeah. know, it's nothing personal. They, they just might not remember. They might be a little flaky. I mean, there's, there's so many different things. So just, I, to me, just don't take it personal, but keep it in the back of your mind. Maybe they want to promote something later yeah. on, or maybe you can find something, or maybe you see something online randomly pop up on Twitter or something like, Oh, they're going to want to promote that. So let's try yeah. it again. Well, there's, there's one guy that I've been trying to get on here. Who's a coach at, at a school near me who again played at the, the college I just graduated from last spring and he had coached at one school I'd reached out to the middle person to say hey I've been doing this since then I've had these people on blah 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 I was wondering if you had time for 30 35 maybe 40 minutes to do it got nothing back once or twice three times I checked out again got nothing back so I waited didn't take that personal then he went to a different school and I reached out again I got nothing but the thing is, I've had other people who he's played with on teams and I tag him in the thing to say, hey, look at, I have this. And if you see it and you have interest, then you can do it. Still haven't got a thing. It's obviously frustrating. It's frustrating when you can't get somebody, but you just right. say, no, there have been other guys who have reached out for weeks, weeks and weeks and said, hey, just wondering, see if you saw my email from a month ago, whatever it was, if you have interest, great. No worries. If you don't, don't get anything, you move on. And there was one guy recently that spoke out to me that, um, I'd played with my favorite group, the Beach Boys, years ago, like decades ago, in the, like oh, nearly 50 years ago in the 70s. 
I emailed him. I said, hopefully this is the right email. You know, he's not like he's on social media, so it's hard to get out to them. And they, uh, I emailed him. It took a few days. He got back and he said, unfortunately, that was like 50 years ago. And I don't really remember a whole lot of the stuff. So uh, best of luck to you whenever it is. And that's a moment where it's frustrating because there's stuff to talk about, but that he, he may not remember specifically what you're asking. So you sort of just have to move on. You can't take offense to it because, you know, they, they can't control it. And you can be mad inside, but outside you're saying, move on. I'll go to the next person which then brings apart the point of planning out in advance of, of situations like that. As I mentioned that in that situation, dealing with people who were around maybe years ago, not Larry Zabisco, I'm sure he still has all of his marbles, but for guys who have been around the business, who have done interviews, I remember I had seen an interview that, um, that Paul Orndorff had done, and you could tell stuff was sort of going into a, a, a darker, you know, sad situation with him and how he ended up passing away. And when you're interviewing guys who are, and the, of the older demographic in the business. And it may seem the challenge of not being able to put out or say coherent or things, or maybe say specific events that happened. How do you go about then in terms of making sure that conversation is being carried maybe more towards a little bit yourself? Yeah, see, and I've done that before too. Speaking of a lot of older guys, spoken to a couple of guys that were 80, 85, 88, almost 90, you know, old school wrestler guys. So you want to make sure they're okay with it sometimes like if their family if they live with their family like, is okay we do this interview yeah of course like they're, they're, they're fine they're, or they they love to do it they want to talk about old wrestling so like you said with that guy maybe you just didn't want to do it maybe his memory really is bad maybe they're nervous um like about certain things they don't want to talk about it or if they don't remember it's kind of embarrassing so yeah obviously you just don't take that personally but you also want to cater to them and like they might not remember. Hey, remember June 1st? Cause as a fan, we remember everything, but yeah. remember June 1st, uh, 1982, like they're not going to remember. You have to almost speak in more generalities, sure. but sometimes I just spoke with Terry Funk not that long ago. And it's crazy because people were talking about his memory and he was laughing yeah. because he said it's more short term. His memory sure. is a good long, long term. Yeah. It was great. So I said, okay, Terry, let's, let's do this. Like he's laughing about it. He goes, but Hey, keep my name out there and blah, blah. <laughs> and have people think that I'm losing my marbles. He goes, it's great. I'm Terry yeah. Funk. Who cares? You know? Sure. So I said, I go nine, random date, 93 in Japan, but, he remembered it and was wow. telling the story. I was like, so it's like, see, even some guys you think don't have all their faculties or they're joking around about, oh, I'm losing my mind. Like maybe they're being crazy like a fox, like Terry Funk sure, or yeah. being <laughs> or being self-deprecating or just maybe just, you know, just being just the way they are. Sure. But I was like, oh, my God. It's like, so he's he's like, yeah, he goes, but I he goes, honestly, I don't remember what I ate for dinner last night. Like <laughs> it was funny. It's like, wow. It's like, OK, so, you know, he's 77 years old, yeah. of course. That's going to happen with anybody that's older. Their memories just aren't as good as they were. But it's just crazy. His recall talking about something from 1993, which was 30 years ago, was like spot on. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, and do you remember this? He's like, oh, my God. He's like, that guy. And like he would go on. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Sure. In life, you know, nothing as not to get grim again, but nothing lasts forever. And you've been doing this for a while what's the end goal in terms of you doing, you know, your podcast, the two man power trip empire, would you ever consider doing it in person or is it something that you like keeping how it is? And how would you sort of like to end the, um, the ride that you've been on with two man power trip empire? To me, I kind of don't mind. I've done a bunch of them in person. I don't really mind it. Um, but I don't know, for some reason I, I like this, you know, you, cause I'm home. Sure. Sometimes I got my research in front of me. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to ask questions and kind of riff. Sometimes in person, it's like, oh, you, you may not, you should know off the top of your head and just sure. roll with the conversation. But sometimes you, you forget some key points 
I don't know why, and obviously that shouldn't be a problem, and it hasn't been. But in my head, I'm always like, oh, but I, I kind of like sure. have that 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 uh, baby, you know, that that I have that research, I can hold on to it, you know, I I'm comfortable, <laughs> you know, sitting in my chair with my drinks and like, sure. but I I don't mind doing them in person either. I just feel like sometimes you can get more out of them when it's like this because they're in their environment, I'm in my environment, sure. more relaxed. Sometimes when you're doing it in person it can tend to be shorter yeah. and there's sometimes there's people around. Sometimes they might get distracted or they might, it might ruin it or, or it just might seem like, okay. Oh, Oh, what was that? 15 minutes. Okay. Let's wrap it up. I don't know. I, just, I like it better this way. Sure. And I always joke around about end games. Like, Oh, once I interview this guy, yeah, that, I'm, I'm done. But I don't know like when I'd be done or what the end game is. I guess sure. once I interview everybody, I guess that would be like yeah. the end game. But I was literally compiling a list of, of wants again of guys I want to get like goals. I I found another like 15 names <laughs> that I was like, I definitely got to get. And like, sure. it just, it one of the things where there's so many wrestlers and so many guys that I have in, interest in and so many guys I'm interested in. And even maybe some guys that just have a great story that I'd love to talk to that. I don't even know if I don't see an end game and I don't see where <laughs> maybe it could end, but there's a couple of guys I joke around like, Oh, if I interview Bret Hart, I'm, I'm I'm quitting or yeah. if I get Brian Danielson on, I could probably be happy and be over. But I used to say that about Hulk too. And then I just kept going and yeah, and stuff. So I don't know about a, a, an end game specifically. I'd love to do it until, you know, until I get bored of it, I guess. Yeah. Well, like, Hey, if the Rolling Stones can perform for 60 years at the age of 80, might as well keep chugging along and do yeah. what you enjoy doing. Yep. You know, ask, you just mentioned, you know, compiling a list of, of people you've had, and that's what I sort of did when I first started out, then, you know, cross some names out that are unrealistic at first. At this point, with the laundry list of, of people you've had on, both big names and maybe not necessarily as big names as Hulk Hogan, where do you go next in terms of what you want to have, people you want to have on, you know, for your own kick, but also what you think would be a good story to hear for people outside the world who may not necessarily know about them? Man, there's like guys that I just think about like, man, I wish they would call me back or I wish I can get in touch with them. Uh, I wish we could do something. I was literally, I was just talking to a buddy of mine that's buddies with Rick, Rick Martell, the, right. the model Rick Martell. Yeah. I, I talked to him and I was looking, I saw the message from 2016. We were going back and forth. He really didn't want to do interviews then. He didn't do, he didn't end up doing any, but, and I never got him on, but it was funny. It's one of the things like, ah, so close, yet yeah. so far away. Cause he's like, ah, I don't really want to do it. And he was just explaining to me what was going on in his life. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's very comfortable. He's doing very well. Uh, he doesn't really need wrestling. Not that it's a, a negative. It's just, like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm doing, um, his many different business ventures. I'm, I don't, he probably wouldn't want me to mention, but yeah. he had other business ventures. Yeah. He was being very successful. And quite frankly, you know, he was pretty rich from doing it. So he's like, I don't really need to do it. He's like, nothing against you. I just, I don't really want to do interviews, but it, we had a great conversation over the phone and just kind of, you know, going back and forth. And he's like, man, I haven't done signings in a long time. And, um, it's not really something I'm interested in right now. I'm just so busy. And I think his daughter was going through college. Like, I mean, he was just so busy doing all these different things yeah. that wrestling wasn't on his mind, but he was somebody I'm like, man, six years later, I'm like, Martell, I got to get him. So I messaged my buddy, my buddy talked to him and he's like, no, uh, not, not now. Um, he did a private signing, which was my buddy went to his house and he did the signing, but nothing took some pictures, but that was it. And he looked great. He looked like Rick Martell of old, just obviously older. Yeah. But he's just he's just not doing anything. So it's like, okay, he's on the top of my list. I'm gonna keep him there, but I'm gonna put him back when he's he's not yeah. interested right now. Maybe in the future. Maybe I can get lucky or maybe he changes his yeah. mind or maybe something happens. But um definitely gonna keep him in mind. Nails sure. is another guy, wrestler okay. nails. 
oh my like damn call me back you, you bastard like just he won't call me back and a buddy of mine said the same thing won't call me back and i was like is that his number yes that's his number not interested like oh man like so there's a couple guys that are on my list very high on my list those two are rare as hell but those are guys that hadn't done anything for a while so it, it's one of the things we're very interested uh max Payne, man mountain rock he was one of those guys for a while. Finally, I got him on for about two hours, but he started doing a lot of other shows too. And he kind of was made less rare, but he was a guy on my list for a long time. Sure. So there's guys on my list that I wish would do stuff, have a, have their numbers, have a connection to them. Uh, not that they're ignoring me. They're just not interested. There's other guys like nails who's flat out ignoring me, sure. <laughs> but I have his correct number and, and he's just not interested. Well, speaking of that, and, and those who you want to have on now at this point that you were able to get to, they've been trying to get, Besides that, though, on top of that, though, I should say, is there any project that maybe you want to work on a, a, a movie or a wrestling type of docu-series, whatever it may be, or even someone you want to have on besides, you know, Brian Danielson or Rick Martell or Nails or someone of that nature that you think that'd be worth their time, but it'd also be worth my time as well? Definitely. want to start getting into them. Not necessarily books and documentaries. I was the executive producer on the Del Wilkes documentary, the Patriot documentary oh, yeah. that came out by my buddy, uh, Michael Elliott, who is part of high spots now, but he was an elbow productions. Awesome documentary for anybody who haven't seen it. So kind of was kind of getting into that a little bit. I was working on a just incredible documentary that ended, but somebody else ended up taking it over. Thank God. Cause it was, it was such a man, so much work and, and stuff going into that. Like when you're doing the podcast and everything else, it's like, there's too much to do too much going on. I need, you know, somebody else to do that stuff, but I would love to do documentaries or movies or stuff like that. I mean, that would be awesome. But really I want to kind of go into the book realm and do All some right. books. Cause I feel like you can get more information and, and really do some sure. diving. And that may, might be antiquated and maybe old to some, but I don't know. I, that's what I kind of want to get into and kind of get into that world. And that's what I'm kind of interested in. But interview wise, Brian Danielson, Rick Martell, Bret Hart, Nails. Did I say Booker T? Booker no. T. Who okay. five times. Somehow never got him out. Like those are the guys I am super interested sure. in. The Steiner brothers. Somehow I was actually figuring out because I always say I did six hundred interviews. I was like, nope, seven hundred. I was actually counting. It's closer to a thousand almost wow. that I've done. So it's actually more than I thought. But I, was, well, I never had the Steiner brothers on. They're my favorite tag team ever. So there yeah. are guys out there that I absolutely love and I would love to do something with, even if it's a quick, short interview. A, work a book up with them i mean whatever it is there's there's guys out there that i'm interested in that i i love that i would love to do something with and i and interview them well and that keeps you going to then push forward to keep doing it. instead of saying oh yes. i can't get five people to get on i'm gonna stop doing it for a while i'm gonna you know reboot at some later point and then you end up not doing it it gives you the motivation to say okay i'm gonna keep pushing and six months from now i'll reach back out to nails or rick martell and say hey interested yep. no worries if not but before we go and again i want to thank you so much john for doing this it's been a, a fun trip for me i want to end on a little game called the one word challenge so in this game is i thought a few names or people or places or things that have some connection to my guest and have to do their best to say a word or two or sentence whatever they want it best comes to mind when they hear the thing so are you ready yes one uh, word right only, only uh, one one word. two whatever you whatever you okay. feel whatever best comes to mind. uh the first one the northeast home uh wrestling the best success love to uh get more of it <laughs> uh hulk hogan god a god a god <laughs> rick flair icon podcasting love doing it and last but passion <laughs> and last but certainly never least in this cosmic universe we're all living called earth john pause 
a wrestling fan who absolutely loves the business and a minor historian, a little <laughs> bit of a story. Uh, well, as long as someone you find a passion in life, that's all that matters. Well, sir, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me about your career and, and your experiences within the world of podcast and content creation. It was a treat for me, so thanks again. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for uh, reaching out. <laughs> well, in the words it, out there, if you're drug school, who the hell went in down the line when John wins a whatever the whatever the term is for winning award for his book, whether it be Peabody Award or uh, a uh, Academy Award for his next documentary on a uh, wrestler, you know, say, holy shit, I should subscribe back then. So subscribe, follow, comment, Charlotte, fun jazz, follow on Twitter, Nolan Cart Night Show, no, Nolan Cart Night and an Instagram, Nolan Cart Night Show. John, is there anything that you'd like to put out there, share, or have people look out for in the near future with what you're doing? Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com and patreon.com slash tmptempire. Got some great stuff coming out. Jim Johnston, who's a huge name. People should know that the wrestling theme created. Yeah. He'll be on soon. Really, really good, fun interview with him. Uh, he was interested in doing some more stuff. So hopefully some more stuff with him down the line. But that's a biggie that uh, just had on, the, to me, huge. Sure. Well, in the words of Johnny Carson, the dean of talk shows such as this, I bid you a heartfelt good night. Take care, and I'll see you soon again.